When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to the best college football pick pod in the land. I am Thomas Black. He is Alan Denton. We're coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. Alan, welcome in to talk about your Tennessee Volunteers. Oh, it's time, man. <laughs> you know how I love my balls. And uh, last year was a great year, so I look forward to recapping that. And uh, I think it's going to be another fun year for us. So I think it's a good time to be a vol. Very much so a good time to be a vol in 2022 and looking like it could be the same in 2023. As we get into this episode, before we look back on last season, I want to give a couple of reminders. If you are new and finding this podcast for the first time, if you want to jump down into the show notes for this episode, you can use our registration form to sign up for our email newsletter where you can get invitations to our pick'em groups. That goes with an ATS pick'em over on cbssports.com. That goes with a confidence pick'em over on espn.com. And Alan and I step in with you every week along the way to give out some of our best picks and to give away some prizes because we've got hundreds of dollars of prizes on the line. And if you would like to jump back and listen to more Pick'em Profile episodes like this one, of course, there's a bunch on the free channel that you're listening to, but you can also get more episodes by going to our Patreon account where you can get episodes like Clemson and Notre Dame and Oklahoma State and TCU. So there is an awful lot there, including in the TCU episode that we recorded right before this one, we get into one of our week one matchups between TCU and Colorado. So sign up there, share it with some friends. That is the only place you can get invitations to our pick'em groups. They're join those for free. And then as we grow and develop, we hope to bring you bigger and bigger prizes over time. Alan, it is a fun process and something we've been developing for a few years, but we've seen some good growth signs and it looks like something that uh, hopefully can turn into something really, really big down the road. Very much so. And it's a lot of fun. It really is just a lot of fun to pick against some of these same folks year in and year out, see the prizes get bigger. And, you know, I think we all learned something along the way. So it's going to be good stuff. We do learn a lot along the way. And as we look at the Tennessee Volunteers from 2022, a team that had a massive transformation under Josh Heupel. Coming back for his second season, the Volunteers went 11-2 and with fireworks all throughout the season. We saw them go 6-1 and in the confidence slate straight up. We saw them go 5-2 and against the spread. So, Alan, when you look back at 2022, an awful lot of wins on both sides of our competitions. What do you look on most favorably with your memories in 2022? Oh, man. So many, many good memories. This year is going to stick out for me for a long, long time. It's the first time since 2016 that Tennessee was relevant in football. First time since 2006 that we beat Bama, and I was there. And, man, I had random people trying to give me cigars and alcohol and everything else 
I'm in the one photo that shows the goalpost coming down. I can zoom in and find myself. It's the first time since 2007 of winning 10 games. We got to beat Florida. Then we went and just beat the crap out of LSU. Just such a fun, fun year. We got to exercise the Clemson demon, essentially, because they were talking about that we should have been paying attention and Dabo loved to run his mouth. And then we got to beat him. And it was so good. It was so, so fun. (laughs) And I loved every second of beating that smug dude so it was it was great (laughs) i have a lot of the same memories that you do man this team was fun to watch and they had what i think was probably the best offense in all of college football a year ago i guess Mm -hmm. they'd be up there for debate with like ohio state uh but certainly one of the top one two or three offenses in the country a year ago and that's one of the memories that I have, just how good Hendon Hooker was and the receivers that he had. To me, the other matchups that I look at were week two, the overtime win at Pittsburgh. That one was a tough one for me, I believe, if I remember correct, because in our ATS pick'em, I believe I had Pittsburgh plus the six and a half points and ending regulation tied. Technically, I got that right. But then in overtime, that was undone. And of course, Tennessee comes away with the seven point win and the cover by half a point. And adding to just what you did, I've got to go to the loss that we picked during the regular season, the game at Georgia. Of course, the Bulldogs kind of dominated that game, winning it by two touchdowns. But that was one where you and I were right there kind of floating on the verge of belief and trying to figure out, is Tennessee really as good as we think they might be? Or are they still not quite on the same level of Georgia? And we really found that out in week 10 with the win by the Georgia Bulldogs on their home field. So that was kind of the last one that stood out to me, but certainly a remarkable season for Tennessee and one that really hit the Richter scale awfully hard with the way they transformed back into what seemed like a powerful, powerful football team in 2022. It had all the makings of a season that could have disappointed. You know, in a way, they definitely needed to win that game at Pittsburgh and honestly had a chance to lose it at the end, but found a way to win. That's a game in previous years they wouldn't have won. Anthony Richardson played the game of his life, and I think in many ways that Tennessee game is one of the tapes that the Colts and others started seeing, and they were like, man, we got to draft this guy really, really high because it wasn't the Vanderbilt game when (laughs) Florida lost to Vandy, and he sucked, but he was awesome that day. But after Hendon gets hurt, you begin to wonder in that South Carolina loss, is this going downhill? Is Are we going to have sour lemons instead of the sweet taste of oranges? And that wasn't the case. Joe Milton stepped in and won two games in a row, and the year ended in triumphant fashion. Definitely it did. Now, as we look at a 2023 roster that certainly has a lot of change, Let's look back at the offense first. We've mentioned some of the names already, but Tennessee had five guys drafted in the NFL draft. Four of them came from the offensive side of the ball. Those are offensive tackle Darnell Wright going in the first round, the 10th pick overall. Quarterback Hendon Hooker went in the third round. Wide receivers Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman went in back-to-back picks in the third round. So a lot lost off this offense, but you already mentioned Joe Milton comes back. A guy with some of the most impressive physical abilities that I've ever seen at the quarterback position. 
Can he put it together? That's a big question coming forward. So with some of the missing pieces, Hendon Hooker and how perfect he was, what are you looking at with this offense as we project forward and a new season coming ahead for the Volunteers? Yeah, it's hard. Anytime you lose your all-star QB and Hendon Hooker, you lose your two best wide receivers and you lose your best offensive lineman, right? There's a reason this was probably the best overall offense in the nation last year but here's the thing they brought in some skill and they developed skill last year they bring in Dante Thornton from Oregon who is probably going to play some slot this year and Josh Heupel gets that slot guy open aka that's why Jalen Hyatt is just doing big things now in the NFL they bring in John Campbell Jr. from Miami to start at one of the offensive tackle positions. We'll see if he ends up holding down the left side or if they move him to the right side. They bring in Andres Carrick from Texas. He's probably going to compete for that left guard position as they're going to be replacing Jerome Carvin, who wasn't drafted but is going to make an NFL roster. So they do lose a good bit on offense, but you have – guys emerging like squirrel white who we got to see multiple times last year but especially against clemson as that was his coming out party since jalen hyatt didn't play and they still got ramel keaton and they still got brew mccoy so i'm not too worried about the offense actually I think that's completely fair. I like the wide receivers that you just mentioned. I think the backfield is impressive as well. And I think a backfield that was very undervalued in terms of just people talking about them last year because Tennessee had a good run game. You bring back guys like Jabari Small, Jalen Wright, and Dylan Sampson. So I think the skill positions, like you said, with the wide receivers and the running backs are good. I think you have to project pretty well with the offensive line, even though losing Darnell Wright is a loss, like you mentioned. To me, it's all about the offense. What do you get out of Joe Milton? He looked great in the bowl game against Clemson, but we've seen other times in his time at Tennessee, in his time at Michigan, where he's been trying to throw the ball into the end zone for a touchdown late in the half, and he's thrown it into the stands rather than giving a receiver an opportunity to catch the ball. We've seen opportunities where he is a guy running wide open down the field, and he overshoots him by 15 yards. So the guy is impressive physically, but can he put it together, and can he show the consistency that he showed against Clemson? in over a full season that's the biggest question for me on this offense I very much agree will Joe be consistent and I think that's the biggest question mark on the offensive side of the ball because if he is I think everything else will be able to fall together I don't think this is going to be as good of an offensive line this year since replacing two starters but they still return a good amount there, and they brought in some transfers. So in my opinion, as long as Joe is the back end of the year, Joe, this team could win a lot of games again. If Joe Milton's as good as he was against Clemson, then I think this season could be really, really special again for Tennessee. It's just, I think overall, even if he is really good, I think with the skill position, especially at wide receiver with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman going off to the NFL. I know we saw limited segments of Tillman a year ago, but I don't think this wide receiver court is quite up to the standard that those guys were, though I think there is a very high floor with these receivers too, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Squirrel White's not as physically 
imposing and gifted because he's very small, whereas Jalen Hyatt was a couple inches taller, a little bit bigger, more developed at that point in his career. But still, you've got Brew McCoy returning. Ramel Keaton's not as explosive as Cedric Tillman was, but he's still very consistent, and he stepped up in ways that no one expected. As we talk about Tennessee a year ago, we both kind of think maybe this was the best offense in the country a year ago. To me, they do take a slight sip off of that. But again, if the upside hits, this is still a very good unit. So to me, this looks like instead of number one unit in the country, maybe it's top 10, maybe it's top 15, something like that, if everything goes very well. That's what I'm projecting is a top 15 offense. I like it. Now, as we look at the defensive side of the ball, we, of course, have one draft pick on that side. Edge Byron Young went in the third round like a bunch of those guys on the offense did. You bring back defensive coordinator Tim Banks with a unit that showed some improvement as the year went on. You bring back a guy like Roman Harrison, who's looking to replace Byron Young and that draft pick. You bring back some defensive tackle talent with Amari Thomas and Bryson Eason. Alan, I'll let you kind of take it from here for just a little bit. What are you looking for with this defense with some experience coming back, but the side of the ball that was certainly more disappointing than the offensive side a year ago, and for obvious reasons, with how perfect that unit was under Josh Heupel? Yeah, very much so. You lose Byron Young, as you mentioned, who was a total freak off the edge. You lose the guy in the middle of the defense and Jeremy Banks. He was good, but the dude was a head case. And there's a reason that he was signed as an undrafted free agent. And there's also a reason that he's already been let go. And that's because he's not consistent, especially mentally. We lose DJ Terry to the portal after spring. He goes closer to home because his mom has some illnesses. But we bring in guys like Keenan Peely from BYU, as well as another DB from BYU, to help begin to shore up, give some experience. This is a defensive unit that has to be better. They have to figure out who our cornerbacks and safeties are going to be. We were 126 against the pass last year. That absolutely has to improve. But some of the talent that they've brought in, not necessarily through the portal, but just through classes that they've brought in. Some of those guys are going to be stepping up now. You've got Caleb Herring. You've got Joshua Josephs, who played a lot last year, coming off the edge. You've just got several guys that are going to be stepping up. As you talked about, you still got Big O, Amari Thomas in the middle. You've still got Bryson Eason there. This is a unit that I think is still going to be very stout against the run, just as they were last year. What I just don't know, and they brought in three four-star-plus guys, cornerbacks and safeties. Will any of those guys be able to help? I really don't know. That's my greatest concern for this team is actually will they be able to hold up against the pass? And I think the only way we're going to find that out is probably not until September 30th against South Carolina. It is certainly going to be interesting to see how Tennessee looks early in the season, especially on that defensive side of the ball. A couple other names I'll throw out there. Nickelback, Tamarian McDaniel comes back. Safety, Jalen McCullough comes back. So a little bit of experience there, but certainly the secondary where this team needs some improvement. So, Alan, I think we're looking at a defensive unit that we think maybe has some potential. They certainly have to clean up the passing side, though you mentioned they were pretty good against the run. So if this team shows some improvement, I think it could make up for a little bit of a step back offensively, and maybe we potentially see 
a very comparable type team to what we saw a year ago. So as we look at a ceiling floor scenario with this team, what are your expectations for your Tennessee volunteers as we go and look at what is a very, very difficult schedule in a lot of ways? It really is. You put some of these other teams that we've talked about that are playing this schedule and their win totals are not nearly as high. I've got the floor at eight and four. Anything below that I think would be both surprising and incredibly disappointing coming off last year. The ceiling, just because the top-end games are really, really tough, you're at Florida this year. South Carolina is going to be a good team. I don't know that they're going to take the next step. Who in the heck knows what a and is going to be? But they've got enough talent to be a top-five team in the country. You're at Alabama, at Kentucky, and then you got Georgia at home. And don't sleep on at Missouri because that can be a tough place to play, especially in November. I've got the ceiling at 10 and two, but I would be more than happy with nine and three, which I think is honestly, realistically where they're going to be this year. This might be the first time that our ceiling floor and actual expectation comes out the exact same. I said basically the exact same thing with mine. I said eight and four is a floor, 10 and two is a ceiling, nine and three is my actual projection. Because when I look at this, I think the only game that I can mark down as an absolute loss is Georgia right now. I just think Georgia is so far on another level, even on the home field, In Knoxville, I think Georgia's probably going to win that game. I even think the game at Bama, I can't mark down as a complete absolute loss at this point because there's so many questions at quarterback right now for Alabama. What are they going to be looking like? I think that can potentially be a winnable game. But on the low end, if this team doesn't perform great offensively, if Joe Milton's not great, and if the secondary doesn't answer questions that we have about them, then I think you easily could look at a scenario where Georgia and Alabama are your starting losses and then somewhere in between a game at Florida, hosting South Carolina, hosting Texas A&M, at Kentucky, at Missouri, because I have that one marked down as well, I think you'd pick up a couple of losses in there somewhere amongst those teams. So I'm with you. I think you probably lose to Georgia. I think that's close to a guarantee. And then a couple more somewhere in the mix amongst the other ones. I think that's the safest place to think. But as we look at this team and what you think we're going to see on the pick slate specifically, where do you think we fall and seeing Tennessee this year, maybe a couple of ideas of where they're going to win and lose and uh, how many games you think are possible that we could see them on this slate. I think we're seeing them a lot looking at the schedule on, if I'm being honest, I think we see them at Florida in week three. I don't know that I've done a pick em slate in the 13. No, I've done this 15 years now. I don't think I've ever seen it when this game's not a pick em. You've got South Carolina week five. There's going to be a lot of intrigue and vitriol, piss and vinegar in that game because of what at South Carolina that loss meant last year, particularly with the way that Josh Heupel felt that Beamer kind of ran it up when he didn't have to. So I think you're going to see that game in week five. I think we probably see A&M week seven at Alabama week eight. I think there's a decent chance that we may even see him at Missouri week 11 because I see that game being very intriguing. And then, of course, Georgia week 12. So I've got a seeing them seven times. Mine's very similar. I'm not going to guarantee a seven times, though I think it is entirely possible. I think bare minimum, 
You probably do see them week three at Florida. And then the other guarantees are week eight at Alabama and versus Georgia. So I think there's three absolute guarantees preseason. But then I think before their bye week in week six, I think you could see them one of two between UTSA in week four and South Carolina in week five. That means you see them probably at least twice before the bye week, I think. And then late Mm -hmm. in the season, like you mentioned, I think the game against Texas A&M, I think week nine at Kentucky, I think week 11 at Missouri are all possible as well. So I think you could see them one to two of those three, possibly even all three, depending on how those teams play, how Tennessee's playing at the time. So we could see this team, I think a bare minimum of, I think four or five times, I think you could see them on the high end six or seven times, just like you're saying. So it is going to depend on, of course, how good is Tennessee? How good are these other teams? But I think we could see them an awful, awful lot in 2023. Yep. I think it's going to be best to familiarize yourself with this team because more than some of the other ones, I see this team as having a lot of carryover effect in regards to seeing them a lot. Love talking about some Tennessee football ahead of the season, unlike we ever have before. It's been fun, Alan. Of course, we've got more Pick'em Profiles coming up for you. This coming week, we have Southern Cal coming up as a paid episode over on Patreon. All you need to do is step over there and become a paying member of Patreon. That is at the season ticket holder level or above. That's only $1.50 a month for the Southern Cal episode. For all the past episodes, we've also had over there on that channel. And of course, next week at this time, we have a free episode coming up on any subscription channel that you can find that is with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. So we will have that one coming to you as we wind our way down through these pick and profiles. Alan, it's been a blast because we've gotten a lot of good information out there, a lot of good discussion, and it is prepping you and me and all of our listeners, I hope, for some very good results coming up in the season ahead. I feel like we're going to go into this year with a much greater idea of who some of these teams are because of all the prep that we've done. And I hope that it's helped our listeners as well. I love it. Alan, thank you so much for the time. Can't wait for another episode coming again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.